Bam, we're live. I think we're live. Shit, it's always weird when I don't see like right away the eyeballs pop. Ah, there it is. Take a second. Guys, good afternoon. Good morning. 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the, which is the West Coast of the North American continent. Um, a lot of you know it is California, Oregon, Washington, Canada, Alaska, Baja, California. Speaking of Baja, California, our guest, what's up, Matt? Our guest, Ed Calderon. Think he shows up? I, I hope so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of confidence. I'm going over to my emails to see if he emailed back. You know it's a big guess when they when you don't have a uh, phone number contact with them. Oh yeah. shit, I didn't send you the um the notes. You sent him a link? Yes. Okay. I'll send you over the notes right now. I didn't uh there's there's no there's no links, but I'm gonna send them to you anyway, Matt. Uh, I'll send it to Will. Yeah. And we got a good week coming up. Who do, who do we have tomorrow? Do. What's tomorrow? What, who do we have tomorrow? We have someone good. Let me see. We have the raw uh, mediator. Who? Oh yeah, yeah. The guy who's been the raw the raw food meat eating experiment. We got him tomorrow. That's gonna be fun. I'm picking his brain. Um, and then after that we have Rich Froning and Van Sloot um to talk about the new documentary uh, Undisputed. And then we have Hans Kim. If you do not know who Hans Kim is, you have like I said before, you have to go type in his name and watch some of his work. Go to his Instagram account. It's H A N S Hans Kim K I M. He is so yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah, he's so darn funny. I'm so glad we got him. Um, we got has, him. Uh, Akira the Dawn, too. Oh, yes, yes. Akira the Dawn in the morning, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember who told me to get him, but thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm trying to see. Yeah, and we got uh, another cool week lined up right after that, too. We're rolling, man. This is good stuff. We got some good people. We have some interesting guests, too, that I think uh, will expose you guys, to to some cool people. Getting nervous about Ed. I'm. You're nervous, dude. I'm nervous. The thing is, is you play it cool. Like you, you're okay. Yeah, I'm cool. You play it cool. I'm but so like cool. Me, like you don't see it, especially like early on before I was like able to do a lot of these back ends, or I was like forward facing. I'd be like staring at the YouTube, like come on, like rechecking the email. But you know, maybe he's uh, maybe he'll slide in a couple minutes behind. I, I want to tell you guys uh, something about. Um, uh, kind of an insight that popped into me into my head recently when someone like does me wrong or or you know is doing something that's like i think is unethical or immoral or shows lack of integrity oftentimes there was there was a phase in my life in the last five years where i would call them on it and recently a friend of mine said that hey you don't need to was pointing out to me and i'm not sure if i'm going to explain this perfectly right but you don't need to call every single person out on it and specifically they were talking about um, family members, you just have to know that the relationship has changed. Meaning, um, if I if I see someone doing something that I that I assumes, let's say, um, 
uh, or has a belief that I know, let's say I, I don't see them hurting kids, but I, they, I know that they have beliefs that would lead to kids getting hurt. And I don't need necessarily need to tell them that I just need to be aware of it and show and, and know that it changes my relationship with that person and where I can and can't trust them. Like, let me use even something more simple. I'll be more specific. I saw an old lady the other day. She was, I don't know how old she was, but she could barely walk and she was leaning on a baby crib and she was walking along the, uh, she was a baby stroller. And she was walking along the cliff in santa cruz california and she's pushing a baby stroller and i'm thinking to myself i would never leave my baby with that lady because if something happened got like let's say one in a million a bird came down and grabbed the baby this lady didn't even have the dexterity to fucking push the uh bird away and we have that here in california we have giant birds but let alone if the stroller <laughs> fell over she could do nothing to help the late the kid a matter of fact yeah. the stroller was she was using the stroller to lean on as much as the kid was sleeping in the stroller and um i i don't do that An- another thing is when when it's so hard to put yourself in other people's shoes and and know what they're going through. But when, and I use this example a lot, when we had the shakeup over at CrossFit and I worked there, um, you know, I have three kids at home. I had a, I have a mortgage to pay. I have a family to take care of. And when people, um, wow, look at that mustache. Look at that mustache. Yes. The man. Uh, (laughs) Hey, did, did you put something in it, Ed? Uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, uh, just uh, taco grease from all the uh, roadside taco spots I've been hitting all, all all along my travels. That's about it. I'm gonna send you a link to some clay. I'm not a product guy, but this is some mud. Okay, okay. And and, and I and I just want I just gonna. I mean, I, I look look at my hair. Look at look at my shit. My shit's going on right now. I just slapped the mud in it five minutes before we got on the air. This is this is a completely new thing for me. Uh, for the longest, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was basically, uh, you know, I didn't know I can grow one of these. Basically, uh, you know, I have a, a mixture of black uh, scaltec and uh, native blood and Spanish and a little bit of Yugoslavian in me. Uh, so no no hair no hair on my chest. I can't grow a beard if, if they paid me. But apparently the, but apparently the mustache is you know it's good to go. I guess. I have this friend uh, Dave Castro. He he's uh, Mexican. He can't grow hair on his body. He's I mean what a lucky man. He is a hairless cat. He's yeah. a hairless sexy beast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't need ancestry.com. I just I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll just do this. Just, oh my god. Nothing. Are are you married, Ed? Uh, no, no, I'm not. No. Do you have kids? Yeah, I have one. I have one kid. Yeah. How How old's your kid? She's a uh, seven right now. Oh, I have a seven year old boy. Congratulations. That, that's uh, it's a, it's the best job in the world. It really is. Are you pretty private about your your personal life due to the nature of your uh, vocation and hobbies and habits? Yeah, I, I, I tend to be careful, but uh, you know, some things are just known. Um, some things are hard to hide. And also, like, I, I get this question a lot, you know, like uh, all of you, all the stuff you've done and all the things you've been through, uh, aren't you afraid? You know, if I was afraid, I wouldn't have signed all, all that all those years ago. Uh, also, I, I don't know anything. I didn't do anything wrong. And I, you know, not in anybody's pocket. So and I'm not speaking anything that is completely secret or unknown. I'm just uh, speaking about it through a, a different lens. And most people are accustomed to hearing some of these things out of Mexico. Um, and finally, you know, it's this or go and crawl into a hole and never come out. <laughs> you know? I, I was watching this podcast with you. It, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not easy. Um, interview. How many podcasts have you been on? Ah, uh, I, I have no idea. 
I have no clue. Let me feel sorry for myself for a second here. It's not easy interviewing someone who's been on a shitload of podcasts for two reasons. You want to bring your A game for them. You want it to make it seem like it's worth their time that you came on the podcast. You need their background, but you don't want to waste their time. And you want like you're in my house now and I want you to leave here thinking like, oh, shit, that was fun. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I I get it. Um, It it is uh, mostly every time I go on, like I go on, there's something going on. So I talk about what's going on and or if I can, you know, bring light to something that, you know, not a lot of people in the U S are kind of paying attention to, or they should be paying attention to, uh, as far as what's going on with their neighbor, you know, to the South. Um, for those of you who don't know, this is Ed Calderon. Did I pronounce your name right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Ed, well, how do you say it? Uh, Calderon. Uh, this is Ed Calderon. Oh, um, uh, and not bad. Uh, he popped up on my radar like everyone does through um, my single source of all things Instagram. And uh, his 18,000 posts, I'm wondering, <laughs> I, I bet you he is in some top tier percentage of most posts. What's crazy is with 18,000 posts, you'd think there'd be a lot of boring shit. And there probably isn't a count with a better ratio of non-boring shit to absolutely ex- just unbelievable shit uh, on there. And um, it's hard to say what he is. It's really, really hard to say what he is. Um, he's not normal. Um, he is an artist, but his his tools are so different than everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, and his training and his schooling, um, and he's and he's and he's a master uh, observer. Um, and, and he and he spent a lot of his time doing it uh, between the two countries of uh, Mexico. And the United States, and and because of those skills he's acquired and all the training he's had, he's a, he's a great resource to uh, to people who have business on the border. Yeah, uh, how's that? Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, like you could pigeon the whole guy and say, "Well, he's a narcotics expert on the smuggling of humans and, and trafficking, blah, blah blah." But like, even if someone wanted to know something as obscure as like, "Hey, is the wall? Um, do you think the wall is going to hurt uh, migrating animals?" You, yeah. I, I'm sure you have an opinion on that. I, I, I do, you know, like I, I, I recently, uh, you know, took a friend of mine who is a, is a, is a seal, um, uh, and he's a CIA contractor as well, a highly trained individual. And, uh, you know, we went on, uh, we went on to the border wall and I basically told him how to free climb that thing, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, and it is, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a phenomenon for me. I grew up next to the border. So I saw, I, I remember the border when it was just metal slats and not even that some places were just completely clear. You would see 50, 50 people at, at a time, just, you know, it's going through, you know, they would say if there is a moonless night and if there's fog, it's magic hour in Tijuana, as far as immigration <laughs> goes, you know, because that defeats every single technology you have on that border. Um, and you would see them just go across. Now, for 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 us as locals of Tijuana, we would see this, and it would be like it's part of the background. Um, Meaning people it, crossing back and forth between the state without using a passport. Yeah, yeah, it is it is completely part of the normal, the baseline normal. You know, is normal. it both ways? Do people come back and forth, or just in? That, that's another interesting phenomenon. Right now, you know, marijuana trafficking is happening from California into into Tijuana. Not oh, good. Here. That makes me and, feel happy. No, no, <laughs> fuck those the, guys in Tijuana who we bought all our weed from in high school. No, <laughs> you, 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 you know, California is bringing their A game as far as weed now, as far as uh, trafficking into Tijuana. Uh, 
And then immigration is going the other way. You know, San Diego, too, is the nickname that Tijuana is getting because all the sky rises coming up uh, luxury apartments and apartments that are pretty well off. Uh, most of the economic migrants of San Diego are finding their home now in Tijuana, you know, despite all of the news, despite everything that they say about Tijuana. Uh, you know, the border, in a way, is becoming you know, meaningless with, it, with, with a lot of this uh, economic migration now going the other way. Um, Ed was uh, uh, born in Mexico. Um, he did 10 years with the uh, law enforcement over there. Sure. Uh, and yeah. is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 12 years uh, counter narcotics work, uh, working with the government in, in Mexico. Yeah, that's that's what I did. And then came to the United States legally. Yeah, I uh, I had a uh, I had an opportunity uh and I, I crossed into the United States and went through my legal immigration, you know, process. I did it during the uh, Trump, uh, d- during Trump's election, which was, you know, not easy to do such a thing at that time. Basically, something that would take about six months took two years for me because of the the political climate going on at that time. Uh, but yeah, I got I got my uh, I'm a permitted resident. Um, Tax-paying permanent resident, um, and now I kind of sp- I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out my space specifically, you know, in in, in the United States. I've, I've been bouncing back and forth between California and Kentucky right now, as far as trying to figure out my my permanent residence, as far as you know where I where I settle in. But you know, work is uh work is on the road. You know, I go where I'm needed, and that's and, what I've been doing. And you're a working machine. I, uh, right before we got on the um, call, I, um. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm really doing him a disservice of how much experience and notoriety and what a wealth of knowledge this man is on all levels. I mean, he is a he, he's a for especially for how young he is. He is a true treasure. And we'll talk about that in a second, um, how much experience he has, life experience he has and the value of that. But I I, I text a friend who is very, very high up, uh, was very, very high up in the DEA and um, more than 30 years, I want to say 40 years, retired, uh, b- real big shot over there. And I said, hey, do you know who this guy is? He said, absolutely. I trained with this guy. <laughs> and I'm like, well, and he goes, he won't know who I am. But yeah, I definitely, yeah, I took trainings from this guy. I was like, wow. Yeah, I've, I've, I've trained some people that I basically, because of my, because of my status, like I was born in Mexico. I worked for a foreign armed intelligence group and I migrated to the United States uh, legally. I in no way, shape or form can probably ever get clearance of any kind uh, with the government. Right. But, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable about some things that some of these people need and aren't aware of. So every now and then I get, uh, you know, pulled into these training assignments for the government and I don't know who any of these people are. I just know that they, I just know that. Oh, right. right. There's no, there's no need to tell you. No, there's there's not even that there's no need to just tell me, Ed, give me your phone, you know, (laughs) Uh, give me an ID and they leave it on a clipboard in the security gate and I get my big, you know, visitor permit thing on my chest and I, you know, go in and. I, I can't see certain things and I just go in to do my thing. You know, so they is- might, they might take you into a room with 20 guys. You don't know who they are. You train them on border crossing uh, with a, with a, a high value target and then you leave. And then maybe six months later, you find out that was the president's security detail. I have, yeah. Well, yeah. If, if, if you ever if, find if, out, if, if I ever find out, <laughs> right, right. That's, that's, you know, I do, I do stuff like that for the government sometimes. Uh, 
you know, I've done that for, you know, State Department. Uh, I, I went and visited the uh, FBI's uh, OSAP program, basically their overseas program where they send agents overseas and how to prepare themselves for, for stuff like that. You know, they, the unconventional is what I'm known for. When I say unconventional, I mean not, uh, you know, not uh, using a bobby pin to, to open up a pair of handcuffs. Uh, I'm speaking of some of the stuff that I learned directly from people that, apply things, you know, criminal sources. Uh, I spent a long time having conversations, documenting, learning from some of the best teachers on the planet right now when it comes to fourth generational warfare. By this, I mean, you know, uh, groups that are non-state actors getting the better of a government, you know. Uh, this is who I learned from. And, you know, uh, I... I quickly found out that that some of the stuff that I posted online, as far as my social media accounts, like Instagram were completely unknown to even the highest levels of, you know, the training community uh, when it comes mm -hmm. to some of these, you know, escape and evasion uh, restraint, defeating, re defeating restraints, uh, bribery. Basically I do a whole class on bribery and how to bribe uh, foreign officials. If that becomes a need <laughs> in a, in a hostile environment. Apparently, there's not a lot of people like that that can talk about some of these things. Experience, so, so these, these are God, will you teach someone how to bribe me? Make it like 10 million or more. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, Ed, are you still running your courses? Because when I, I when I first saw you, it was on Sean Ryan's um, show there from um, Vigilant Elite. And you at that time, you were still doing courses kind of based off Ed's manifesto. And you were talking about how once you would arrest these people or they would kind of do something and you would say, okay, hold on. How'd you guys do that? What'd you do there? And you would be writing it down in that in that notebook there. Are you still doing courses on your own like that or not yeah. as much? Anymore? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm about to go to Texas. Uh, I'm at a company called Tax 7 in Dallas. Uh, a, a lot of people that come to some of these classes are mostly you know, world travelers, some of them, you know, some of them never say who they are. They just come in and the, the, you know, I can, I can smell the uh, million dollars <laughs> worth of government training on them. Um, <laughs> and uh, some of them are, some of them are just, you know, legit uh, people that don't want to be trapped by fear as far as them fearing something that is unknown, you know, like, Hey, what if somebody breaks into my house in a home invasion and zip ties me to the toilet and I mm -hmm. can't get free. Uh, basically I, you know, I usually explain it this way. A lot of these things are unknown to you before you come to this training floor with me. And just like, just like a ghost seems scary, but once you walk through it, the ghost disappears and ceases to have any control over you as far as the fear, whatever your normal was, you know, a few hours ago or a few days ago, once this training is over, that line is going to be way, way ahead of most people out there as far as what your normal is. You know, your normal is going to be being able to weaponize things from Home Depot. Uh, yeah. your, nor your normal is to being able to do something in case there is a drugging or somebody gets drugged in your group. If you're traveling somewhere in Puerto Vallarta, for example, you know, your normal is going to be preparing for defeating restraints that might be, you know, put on you by, you know, somebody that's uh, trying to, you know, do something horrible to you or your family, you know, uh, and also normalizing some of that knowledge base for people, you know, uh, uh, every now and then I get asked, Hey, uh, do you do classes for minors? And I'm like, no, that's your job. Mm. What, do you mean? What, do, what do you mean by that, Ed? Well, I mean, I can take your, you know, I can bring in a bunch of 12 year olds mm. and show them how to get out of zip ties. 
or or you as a father knowing this knowledge base or skill set or as a mother knowing this knowledge base or skill set that I about to sh- that I showed you take some of this some of this and it start infusing it into your you know you know the lives of your kids I don't know my you know the snack drawer uh, has a padlock or a pair of handcuffs or zip ties on it and my kid knows how to break through the three of them I make it fun for her but she's learning a skill uh, when we were kids we would play hide and seek we were having fun but we were learning a survival skill something mm. you know some of these kids uh, that go through uh, active shooter training now which is something that is you know soul soul crushing to me to see but they have to now learn in a conventional training se- segment active shooter shit what they would learn just by having fun which is run and cover and hide and don't move yeah which is, right so things like that is something i try and reconnect people with um i always say you know a lot of these classes that i do are mostly about remembering who we were and remembering some of the skills that our parents grandparents had that were let go because of complacency uh making what was legally legal you know uh turning a tool into a weapon you know like people carry around knives and they say yeah what are the laws on carrying this the self-defense knife at first off that's retarded that is a tool that is a tool that is a not there's no lives there's no laws about carrying tools so always focus on things being tools and if something happens you know you run into a cheesecake you can cut it if you <laughs> if you run into somebody putting their arm through the car window and trying to carjack you it turns into a fillet knife, right? Right. I look what they've done with the surgical mask. They've used it as um, something to protect doctors or people from um, sweat dripping from a doctor's mouth into an open wound to taking over a whole planet and brainwashing them. <laughs> or it's amazing. Or, yeah, or taking the clip from inside of a you know one of those oh. and using it to open up handcuffs. Or <laughs> or think about it. You know, I uh, have I've been in places where you have constitutional carry of firearms. Wearing a mask, you know. Wait, explain that to me. I'm not following. So, if you there's places in this country where you can carry a firearm with you legally, right? And you, you're also obligated to carry a mask with. Yeah, you. yeah, nuts. So, so, I've, so it is two thirds of the way to the bank robbery already. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. You know. It's a, it's. A, I I view, I view it as an experience. I'm gonna get. I, you know. I I've I've always kind of. Uh, thought about life as a ride and i always say that in some of my posts. yes and i think this is part of the weird carnival part of the ride i guess you know some weird <laughs> stuff. So, this is uh, this is alice in wonderland when she takes some of those you know growing growing pills in the disneyland ride i guess you know this is when you're on the carousel and you're at the top and you realize some of the bolts in your carriage are falling out you're like oh yeah. shit yeah yeah when you start yeah when you start seeing those when you start seeing some of those uh some of the just the insanity around you as far as what people believe is true and what people uh fight about you know you start realizing that you know just keep your hands in the cart as it's going downhill 
Um, you talk about that in a, in a show I watched uh, about what's normal, and you mentioned the word normal here, and it's something that I really have to remember, and I'm going to stroke myself a little here, but I film movies in 100 countries, in 100 of the poorest countries in the world. I filmed, uh, in, I filmed three live famines on three separate continents. I filmed in 49 states. I've seen some really, really horrible shit, like shit like – not like the shit you've seen, probably. Well, maybe, maybe if you were if you if you stomped around Central America, you've seen those kids eating out of dumps and burning shit. And but um, I didn't see. I haven't seen violence, but I've seen uh, absolute um, civilizations on the brink of just collapse. And so, so my normal is when I hear people talk about food droughts in the United States, I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. There is no, there's, there is no food drought anywhere in the United States. You can eat healthy at the worst Seven Eleven in the world. You don't have to eat Doritos and Coke. You can buy some hot dogs that don't have sugar and, and, and move on your way. Like, I don't want to hear, I've seen fucking, I spent months and months in places where kids are dying from starvation and where there's no water. The whole existence is about getting water. Um, so my normal isn't like these normal, like the, this, this, the pandemic is a fucking absurd joke to me uh, because I, I just, I don't, I don't, I know that there's a whole continent who d- would give two shits about it. No one in Africa, the vast majority, no one, the, none of the people I saw in the poorest parts of China or, or India or Central America are worried about a fucking mask. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a luxury to, to, yeah. to it yes. is a luxury. Is it, is yes, it, is, it's a luxury. <laughs> It's a luxury to worry about masks and pushing people not to go to work and stay home. Yes. When, when a lot of these people are actually working in irregular commerce. I mean, Mexico has a lot of that, you know, and had a lot of that. Yes. Um, people got sick. People died. Uh, but it is a luxury for them to stay home and not go out and sell what will feed their family for that specific day. And yes, Mexico has poverty of, a, of that type, you know, in some places. Uh, when I go about the when I when COVID happened, um, I was uh, helping some people put a uh, some of the helping out some people putting uh, for the government working, advising on some of the COVID centers that were being built up around the, along the border, and so I didn't stop traveling. I, w- I went on a bunch of empty flights. Um, I got all the vaccines and I still got sick twice. Um, I'm not say I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I, I'm aware that some there's some studies out there that say that uh, some of those vaccines might lessen some of the uh, some of the effects of the virus on people. And but I'm also aware that despite all of the vaccinations, it has eaten away a giant segment of the elderly population in places like the like Mexico. Like I've got to witness it with vaccines isn't, and all. Isn't that crazy that you 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 say you got the vaccine? But we live in a climate where you still have to say you're not an anti-vaxxer. It's it is. Uh, My wife is white, but I'm not racist. I mean, if I would have met a black girl, I would have married her. Like, I mean, it's it's just fucking nuts that we. I'm, I hear you. I'm not judging you. I, I, I'm just I, saying, I, like, you got to say it. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it is. Uh, again, and and for me, it's a luxury, you know, to to, to be yeah. able to say that because there's people out there that haven't had any of that and don't have a choice, and they're still going about their lives. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, for me, it has been, it's been coming to grips with some of the weird, I mean, the weird aspects of control and weird aspects of perception in the United States, uh, simple one, you know, everybody was losing their minds, uh, when it came to food and, and, and toilet paper and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, I have friends who are on both sides of the political spectrum, you know, as far as politics on my end, I can't vote because of my uh, immigration status. I have to become a full citizen to be able to vote. So I can't even vote. I can pay taxes though. 
Uh, <laughs> and I and we thank you for that. No, no, As a first generation Armenian, I thank you for your taxes. And I'm sure you make good money on these seminars, so I appreciate it. I, I, I make what I can and I and I and I know I know it's a thing and we have to, you know, we have all have to pitch in. And I've never, you know, I was raised Catholic and guilt and all that Catholic guilt behind me, you know, so I have to work my ass off. Anyways, you see, uh, you see, you see, you saw everybody losing their minds over toilet paper and, and some food shortages. Um, and also, you know, a lot of my conservative friends were, you know, rooting for one side and a lot of my not conservative friends were rooting for the other. Um, speaking horrible stuff about illegal immigration and illegal immigrants on one end. And on the other end, you know, speaking about how horribly it was being managed as far as a pandemic and everything. And uh, I don't know. I, I never experienced any produce shortages in the United States. Uh, Uber Eats, you know, was rowing. Everybody was staying <laughs> in and eating in. And who do you think was working in all of those kitchens? Right. It mm -hmm. became apparent that illegal immigrants in this country became essential workers. Right. Despite the politics and who was in the White House and who is in the White House now. They became essential workers, but they but they're still uh, they're still a lynching post for a lot of people's politics. Mm -hmm. um, that specific part of it made me you know, question a lot of things as far as my own personal beliefs and some of the people around me and what their beliefs were. Uh, what 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 is the, the what is the problem with immigration in Mexico? We don't have a. We, we can't have people just flooding over the border or then yeah, yeah. or else then why the fuck have a border? Yeah. But then why not make why not put something in place where people can come and go and work and do all their shit and people can come across legally? Is that the what is the problem with the immigration? Well, yeah. By the way, I've had Jorge Ventura on the show a couple of times. I don't know if you know him, but he knows you and he's yeah, a great yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah uh, first general. No, he may even have been born in El Salvador or his parents for sure were. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, I'm, I don't I don't make a living off specifically reporting on the border and making stuff uh news related stuff about the border but i can can i have opinions about it because both i've you know trained border patrol and 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 law enforcement on the u.s side and also i've worked as law enforcement in the mexican side um and, and you also, lived and you grew up in tijuana grew up in tijuana uh, that's about it that's an expert uh, phd <laughs> arrested, arrested a bunch of people smugglers uh also helped a bunch of uh lost uh migrants uh that that uh you know some of them would get dropped off in the uh there's a there's a there's a what is uh, there's a costco in tijuana uh near the border uh, some of these migrants innocent people that have no idea what's going on would pay some of these smugglers $5000 and be dropped off at that Costco in Tijuana and tell them and they would say yeah this is San Diego just run you know <laughs> uh, so i i'm aware of the pro i'm aware of the problem in more ways than one and i'm aware that that uh, it's not a black and white problem right the most corrupt agent, federal agency in the United States, as far as convictions and people being caught doing shady shit, is the is the Border Patrol. Um, I, as a law enforcement professional in Mexico, got to witness uh, some of this corruption by seeing you know Border Patrol agents pointing their car towards somewhere where what nothing was happening and people making their way through with backpacks on. I got to see that. Uh, like, like you mean, like behind them. 
Like, oh, we didn't see. Yeah, that. yeah, I got to see some of that, and also on the U.S. side, I got to see some insanely moving and touching expressions of humanity by some of these border patrol agents that would out of their pocket pay for things like candy diapers uh toothbrushes for some of the floods of migrants being literally tossed over the border some miners being tossed over the border some of them drugged um and i'm aware that it that you know a lot of people want to vilify them and say they're all bad uh and a lot of people want to make them seem the hero and saying that they're all good I think as a person that worked in a law enforcement in law enforcement in Mexico where we're, you know, not all good and not all bad. Right. I'm I'm aware that the problem is more complex. There's more colors than black and white. And I think people need to wake up about that fact. It is a broken system, yes. Uh there are a lot of challenges that some of these people face trying to, you know, manage a border where the politics are not on their side. And the cartels that they're working against as far as smuggling of people and drugs and other things, all of that is growing and they're shrinking as far as the support and the money that they're getting. You know, that's what what else is what else is a big smuggling item besides people and drugs? What else is on that list? Uh, Guns and bullets being smuggled uh, to to down into Mexico. Um, That's another aspect of it again. I most Mexicans are very conservative in their views. You know, a, a lot of people look at some of the, my opinions and say, Ed, you're a conservative. Like, I want to smoke uh, a joint at my gay best friend's wedding and have a gun on me. That that's those are my political views, right? That that would be my you know my perfect America. I would be standing right next to you. I, right? I quit smoking, but I'd, I'd <laughs> have a I'd have a whiskey. You know, we we all have our own poisons, right? They're all yep. poison. You yep. know, just just in small quantities. But uh, you know, you 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 view this whole. It, it is it is very complex as far as what's going on. You know, guns and and bullets are coming down into Mexico and feeding. Um, you know, people focus on you know the Ukraine, Afghanistan, the Middle East problems, and there is a open warfare going on with child soldiers with uh, with IEDs with chemical weapons being dropped from drones, uh, trench warfare, uh, at our border, at our border, uh, you know, go, go, go to where all of your avocados come from. Right. You know, go to Chipotle. And, and if you order guac on your, on your, uh, burrito, then you are part of what's going on. You know, wow. Wow. You are are part of that, that whole situation. Right. Yeah. Uh, recently, they re- the government recently put limits, uh, I think, restrictions <laughs> on avocados. I've made a post about it. You know, people are into crypto and NFTs, you know, invest in avocados. I said, yeah, I said that yesterday. And then, you know, the, the, the news about avocado sales restricted from coming out of Michoacan, which is where a lot of them come from, uh, because they had threats on a, a government employee or the United States down there. Um, so, you know, the the. the what I'm trying to say is the interconnectivity of the United States and Mexico is far beyond what most people on the conservative mm-hmm. side want to admit. Right. And it's also, you know, it's also not as easy or not as as simple as just doing open borders. Like the other side wants to think that the left right. wants to think. Right. Right. Um, it is a very complex issue. It's not that simple. Um, we are connected by blood. You know, uh, and there's, 
more people out there than than not have some some uh, at least neighbors or, or people that have uh, Mexican descent uh, that live what? in and around them. You know, if you buy Uber Eats or go to some of the most you know best restaurants out there, I remember I took a governor. I, I used to work security for a governor in Baja. I took him to a san- restaurant in San Francisco. We had some U.S. marshals with us uh, helping us out with his security. We went to w- check out the uh, the uh, kitchen in this restaurant. You know, uh, one of the best restaurants in San Francisco at that time. Everybody there spoke Espanol. You know, all the U.S. marshals—they're all Mexicans. They're like, and that's the same thing I've seen throughout this country. I can't um, think of one restaurant I go to in Santa Cruz, California. Or there's not some sort of some Latin dude. I don't, I don't know if they're Mexicans, but some Latin dude working in the kitchen. Uh, we're, we're interconnected. Um, you know, Mexico is a young country. There's youth. That's why that's why the cartels don't have a shortage of hands. You know, it's being and also that's why there's no shortage of young people uh, climbing that border fence that they made. Uh, is is the word Mexican um, word fuckery? Like, is that like? 300 years ago, there was no such thing as a Mexican. Then uh, now there's a Mexican. They got fucked. They're the poster child for Catholicism. Is it like, holy shit, what happened? They're like Mexicans are Mexicans are basically these people who lived in Mexico who were raped by the Spaniards. And instead of addressing the issue, we're just going to call them Mexicans now. I, I don't like, know. I, I, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, like, like, you know, you see a dog walking down. You're like, I had a great Dane and people would be like, what kind of dog is that? A great Dane. But I know somewhere inside he was made from five other dogs. Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> someone had to be like, now you're a great Dane. Like and, and, and Mexicans are kind of new, right? I mean, it's so there's, there's this whole, like I, I get a weird, you know, trip by going to you know, being in the United States and seeing people, the Latinx themselves call themselves Latinx or yeah, I don't approve. I don't approve. Or, <laughs> or the whole, uh, the, the whole Aztec tattoos, which is okay. also, also fascinating because, you know, Aztecs with the, with the big, uh, feathered, uh, feathered, uh, regalia, which is completely made up. Uh, okay. it, it wasn't historically accurate. Also Aztec, you know, maybe Mexica, and not all of us were Mexica. Example: my uh, my grandmother was from Michoacan, and she was Tlaxcaltecan. You know, it's 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 uh, fragmented. It's not as easy as just saying Mexica, or I was Aztec. You know, it's segmented. You know, you go to Kentucky, and then you go to L.A. And right. Those two are the same country, and your mind is blown. You know, I go to a different state every weekend, and it's um it, it is the same concept. Mexico is very fragmented. You know, depending on where you are, you can go to Monterrey, you can go to Oaxaca, and it's going to be two completely different countries and two pr- completely different perspectives on what's going on. You know, four hundred years ago, though, if I landed there, who were the people? Uh, I mean, there was a bunch of them. You know, the main ones were the uh, Mexica, or what is you know, the blanketly called the the Aztecs, were which were a bunch of tribes basically that uh, centered in the Valley of Mexico, and they were the big dogs at that time. You know. They had running water, you know. They had drainage. They had culture. They had the zero. They had. Uh, you have to think about it this way: the Spanish came with issues. You know, I, I get a kick out of also some of these people calling for decon- decolonizing. You know, Mexico or decolonize. They're Mexican and they wanted to talk about decolonizing and stuff like that. It's kind of hard to decolonize. You know, 30, 40, 50, 20 percent of your blood. You know. The, the difference is that instead of, instead of getting uh, rid of the natives, uh, a lot of the Spanish, uh, you know, intermingled. Um, the Spanish were coming 
from a country that had its own deal uh, dealings with conquest. Uh, interesting side note and story. Please. Uh, Hernán Cortés came to the Americas bearing the Virgin of Guadalupe, which was a statue that was hidden and from the Moors when the Moors actually uh, conquered Spain. So that's they were coming with their own issues of conquest, right? And, you know, uh, they landed here in Mexico and said, you know what? Let's go. They, they, they scouted around, started figuring out who was who, and basically gathering allies of all of the all of the enemies of the Mexica of the of the empire. The Spanish didn't conquer Tenochtitlan. They, they, those weren't the guys that uh, took down the the Mexica empire. All of their enemies combined did. You know, all that the Spanish did was just you know basically say, "Hey, I think we can all take them if we're together." Right. That's what, hap- that's what happened. Um. So, you know, if, if you fig- if you kind of think about it this way, you know, we have a lot of guilt on our end as far as that conquest because we basically killed ourselves in a lot of ways as far as some of the cultural stuff that happened. That Virgen de Guadalupe that Hernán Cortés brought uh, had a crystal scepter in one hand and a baby Jesus in the other and a crown. And no was, shit. And she was stepping on a crescent moon. And then you go further on in history, and now the Virgen of Guadalupe right now, which, yeah, that one. If you oh, could, wow. Look I didn't that, know that's that, the origins of that. Look at the uh, black crescent moon she's stepping on. You know, yeah. we, why would why would that be there? You know, it's because the Spanish brought that with them. And that was the their main trauma as a, as a, as a, as, as Catholics and as Europeans were there that the, that the Moors or the, the, you know, conquered them. So when they put their uh, image together to to basically turn a, a, a Mexica deity, which which is what you see when you see the Virgen de Guadalupe, it's a Mexica deity, it's an Aztec deity. They transformed an Aztec deity into a Catholic palatable deity that they that the natives could could venerate and pay the church for. So they basically tore down a earth goddess statue and just this is this is what replaced it um it's a it's an interesting story um yeah wow hey um switching subjects here a little bit in that episode 1408 that you did with uh joe rogan in the chair next to you there's a bag is that your bag a bag and a jacket did you set your bag and your jacket down next to you in the empty chair yeah and and is there a gun in there yeah there's a gu- yeah, wow. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how many people br- have brought guns onto. Uh, no, it, it, it wasn't. Rogan's. It wasn't. It wasn't that. Uh, it wasn't that dramatic. It's. Uh, no, of course not. Not for you. That's normal for you. It's just no, you no, had your wallet, a piece of chewing gum, and the Glock. Yeah, it it is. It, it was a. It was a training gun and a, and some training equipment. That's what that was in there, including a pair of handcuffs. Wow. Uh, I showed him some stuff. You know, he wanted to see what I was about, so I showed him how to get a handcuffs and you know, weird uh, <laughs> manipulating stuff with guns and training knives and stuff like that. Not an actual living live firearm. Uh, like I left some of that stuff for him. Uh, David Blaine later, David Blaine, the magician, later went on there and tried to break my, the pair of handcuffs that I left him, and he couldn't. Oh, that's cool. And, and I told him, well, that's 
it's because it's not a prop you know these are real handcuffs i always uh i always have my backpack with me and it's always around um what people kind of don't figure out about me is that most of probably 70 percent of what i own is traveling with me right now as far as my duffel bag and backpack uh i live off those two things so they're always with me so you're Uh, very simple man uh i keep light you know because i move around a lot (laughs) Uh, yeah. I wish I wish I could have you know all the stuff, but I, that's not my trip right now. Later on, probably when I slow down. Yeah, the grass is greener. Do you think you'll end up in Mexico? That that'll be where you uh, set up your 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 toilet years. No, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. It is. Uh, I've been I've been on the move for about five years now. I think kind of nonstop. Uh, every now and then, it's like you know, spend Christmas in California. Uh, or stop for a few for a month uh in utah uh wherever wherever there's like a good space every night one of the blessings of my life i think right now is that i've invested in a lot of people as far as training and education and stuff like that so i get some amazing offers every now and then you know including you know hey uh, example sean ryan you know just inviting me out there to film uh film some of these weird videos and, and me showing some of this stuff and then just getting to hang out somewhere out in there in Tennessee and just enjoy, uh, and just, you know, figuring, figuring some, some things out about the culture and, and, and just living locally for, for a month. If that is something that I, that I'm interested in anywhere I stop is usually somewhere I want to learn something. Um, you know, went to Utah and learned about long range shooting by some of the best people that your government's produced, you know, um, uh, go to Arizona and uh, learn about Santa Muerte and how it's taking root in the United States as a cult now. Um, go to you know Tennessee and Chattanooga and just roll some jujitsu with some of the guys out there or something. You know that's that's usually what I try and figure out for myself when I travel. You have to be light if you want to do stuff like that. Yeah, and, and what a uh, you started the show talking about your you adapt or you have friends in, in on both sides of the political spectrum and man it doesn't you you name some of the most conservative hotbeds in the united states and some of the most liberal it doesn't get you know much more liberal than chattanooga and, and doesn't get much more conservative than certain parts of utah where is your accent ed how, how come you you sound like you were born in like uh i don't know washington yeah i get i get that a lot it's great i guess it's working you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I went through uh i went through language school uh specifically because I, they wanted me to be able to speak English without an accent in the States or where did you do that? Uh, 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 no, that was in Mexico. Specifically, they wanted me to be able to talk to people about whatever over the phone, you know, drug deals and stuff like that in an English and a, you know, Californian accent. Um, growing up on the border, I learned English by watching Mr. Rogers, you know, but the accent, yeah. the accent I had to, I had to work on it, you know? Um, do you, uh, Spanish was your first, so Spanish was your first language. Yeah. Spanish is my first language. I could, uh, every now and then I get like, Ed doesn't even speak Spanish. <laughs> mira, mira cabrón, yo hablo español y con huevos mexicanos, cabrón, que vergas. No, sorry about all the bad language. Uh, bad language away. That's my and, favorite. And, and also I can fake my way into speaking like I can't speak, uh, Spanish. You want to, you want to check that out? Please, please, yeah. please. Um, uh, mucho gusto. Mi nombre es Ed Calderon. Uh, me gusta mucho su cultura. 
Coco Coco es la mejor película de Pixar. Día de los Muertos es encantadora película. Me gusta mucho. So I used to fucking fake that shit for people. Wow. For part of the job, right? That's like um, Spanish four high school Spanish four. That's still yeah, that's yeah. still pretty pretty can, pretty pretty fucking good for how bad it was. That's awesome. It's a it's a mind fuck, you know, trying to switch that to so to have like yeah. a like a gringo accent going out of Mexico. I turn that on every now and then for people. It's that's pretty- awesome. That, that adaptation to your environment is so cool and being able to take whatever best conceals whatever the reason why you're there, or if you don't want to be seen, or if you don't want to be noticed. Not a lot of people know this about me but i back in the day i used to go to art school and it was cool to paint graffiti and i'd be out in oakland and san francisco and i'm obviously very white from the suburbs right but i've realized very quickly that if i dressed like a tweaker yeah. and then moved as if i was a homeless or a drug addict nobody messed with you yeah wow. like they, this guy's got nothing to offer right so i could just adapt to that environment but to hear you do those different dialects like that that's just like a whole nother level of it. that was really cool thanks for sharing there's a there's a concept in the U.S. called the gray man concept, which I'm not a fan of. Um, <laughs> the 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 concept of being able to blend into your environment, and dressing in, in 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 muted clothes so you won't be able to be seen, or all, all of the, all of these weird concepts. <clears throat> you know, the problem with that that mindset is that it, that could work if you don't leave your normal environment every day. That might work, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you, I mean, I with this giant mustache, go to Oaxaca, which is Mexico, and I will stand out like a motherfucker. Right? <laughs> uh, and even if I shaved off this mustache and drape and dress locally, I'm too tall. You know, everybody there is, you know, hobbit sized. Uh, how uh, tall is hobbit sized? Let's be clear here. <laughs> how tall are you? It's probably right there. So I'm about <laughs> how, how, I mean, like uh, shorter than five, you know, probably uh, four something you know uh, I, um, uh, honey let's move to oaxaca yeah <laughs> i'm only sure. five five i would love oh, to go somewhere oh, where sure. i talk oh. down to people oh the, go there it's great okay oaxaca <laughs> it is but uh like you say the best thing you can do I, I always tell people you have the superpower all of us do of narrative by this mm-hmm. i mean if i arrive to your bar mitzvah in a denali and fucking do a few donuts in the parking lot and then park my car and throw a beer can into the fucking woods. I have now can I have I've now told you my story, who I am. Oh, that shit. might be complete bullshit, but I, I I've just done that. That yeah. is an extreme example of it and something I, t- I talk to people about. But yeah. we are in control of that in a lot of ways, and we just don't realize it. Um you know the per- perception aspect of it um do you dress in gray or do you dress in such a way where people make up their minds about who you are before wow. they even talk to them um and I, and again I, I wish i can tell you the cia showed me some of this stuff but this is all scam uh, yeah hood rat uh, uh fuckery that i learned from people that would scam other people um small tip for people if you're ever in a place where you think is very unfriendly and you want to figure out a way or uh, to find an individual in that environment that could allow you access or at least be a guide in such an environment, untie one of your shoes and walk around with it. The first person that told, tells you that to tie your shoes is going to be the most accessible individual in that environment. Wow. <laughs> wow. And now, and now you have access. I feel you. I and feel I, it. And now you have access to somebody that can be open to for a conversation. And also, 
you started that conversation, but he thinks he did. Yeah. So now they're completely disarmed. Or hopefully she, um, uh, Ed uh, one, I was, um, you'll, you'll like this. I think I was on the, uh, Mombasa, Mombasa, Nairobi uh, highway. It, it's what connect Mombasa is a city on the um, east coast of Kenya, uh, on the Indian Ocean, and then Nairobi is their capital, inland. I don't know, four hundred miles. And I was in the middle there somewhere. Ah, not quite in the middle. I was probably like a hundred miles outside of Mombasa, and I was with a caravan of two cars driving, and one of the cars broke down, and I was with these fucking people who were the biggest pussies in the whole fucking world, and they freaked out because you you know Kenya, there's no white people, there's no Mexican people, there's just like I mean the the you can tell the difference between the different tribes there of black people if you just have fucking like the awareness of a snail, right? You're like, oh, they're from Somalia. Those are Kenyans. Those are Nigerians. I mean, you. Can, I mean, it's not just black people like it is in the U.S. maybe. And so, but one of the cars broke down The pe- my, that I was in. The people in my car all jumped out and jumped into this other car. And me and the, and the bodyguard were like concerned. I was the cameraman, right? We were concerned about all the people freaking out and it was all white people. And they jumped in the car and took off. <laughs> so I'm there with this giant fucking 300 pound white dude from West Virginia who's the bodyguard and me with two $15,000 Canon 1DXs with the most fucking amazing lenses on the Nairobi Mombasa highway yeah. with fucking just, I mean, my shoes are more valuable. No one, the, the, the 10,000 people around me don't have shoes. I'm on a crazy highway with 18 wheelers going by. It was, it was nuts. Eventually uh, we jumped in the back of a pickup truck like an hour later, someone was nice enough and we drove us into town, but I had no skills. <laughs> Like I probably should have just thrown the cameras away. I'll, I'll give you a, a small tip, and I, I, I please. I, I too late, it. but okay. It's fine. <laughs> I, uh, By the way, no one ever threatened us. It's it was, fine. It's, like in the four hours I was out there, everyone was cool as shit. But yeah. we stood out, stood out like a sore thumb. Like people that, coming over and like touching you. Like, are you real? Act, act, act like act cool and act like you belong there. You know, even <laughs> yeah. if you're lost. Yeah, uh, I started kissing babies. There's a. Uh, I worked with a group that filmed something down in Mexico in a pretty shady place as part of a security contract thing that I did. Uh, they were concerned about their camera equipment being, you know, stolen and or fuck with. Yeah. So I came up with a quick solution, really quick one. Uh, biohazard stickers on a water cooler, right? <laughs> and a big sign that I made with a sharpie that said COVID uh, testing um, equipment. And we went through military checkpoints, police checkpoints, and some shady checkpoints, and nobody wanted to touch those fucking coolers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people don't realize that aversion or being a aversion is also a concealment factor for shit. You know, yeah. people don't people don't want to get searched. They make themselves vomit on they vomit on themselves of not getting oh. searched. You know, uh, people don't want something to be looked at closely, so they make it disgusting as shit. You know. Uh, yeah, um, it is. It is. It is. Uh, it is another little small lesson from some you know shady people out there as far as how to hide things. Wow. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've been in places where I'm like lost as shit. You know, maybe not Nairobi, but in other places where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, and I immediately go into. If you go into defensive mode, if you're, you know, I don't know, like I'm not that guy. You know, I'm not the. Uh, Everybody's Me neither. A, everybody's a threat. Everybody's a, have a plan to kill everybody in the room and all that stuff. I'm more on the line of figure out what you have that you can give away to somebody and invest yeah. in somebody in that environment. Figure out a, something you can do or skill set. You know, I I always carry around small magic tricks for kids and that to give away. 
if if I if I find myself in a situation where the adults are unaccessible, but maybe the kids are, and I can just yeah. you know be friendly towards that in that way. Even stickers, stickers. Uh, uh, there's a magic trick, which is a, basically a bendable uh, coin that you can use to bite and then flip flip back. Into oh, the game, right, and that one is a fucking showstopper for kids. Uh, <laughs> or uh, flashlights. Oh they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They sell these big cases of flashlights <laughs> at Costco that are probably like two do- two dollars each. But, I took those know. to Africa on three of my trips to Africa. Just shitloads of little flashlights. Kids love that shit. Hand them out. Uh, you know things like that. Small things. Yeah. Uh, a cell phone. Uh, one of one of my one of the uh, you know they took me down once uh, working with a on a contract. I had a bunch of guys with me who were you know high level military guys. And I was the guide, basically. Um, they were talking about uh, you know satellite surveillance and, and uh, you know being able to you know track things with their equipment and all this stuff, and having to pay a company to advise them on local shit that's going on. I was like, oh, that's all, all that's great. I gave my I gave a phone to the uh, to the parking attendant guy. At the at the at the at the resort we we're staying in, and I said, "If you feed me all the information I need, you can keep that phone when we go." It's probably a you know, two hundred dollar phone, smartphone, uh, with credit in it. So before we would go to the hotel, I'd call him and say, "Like, is everything cool? Anything happen at night? You know, any weird shit happen? Oh, everything's fine. You know, a few cars that came in here they're kind of weird. Oh, okay, thank you for letting me know." Hey, where's the best uh, steakhouse here? Or where would you take a small Pomeranian to the vet if something happened? The person that had a, that we were with had a Pomeranian. Uh, I wouldn't take him to this. I would take him over here, probably. And this is where the, the our rich clients go. It provided me with the best intelligence. Obviously. Yes, it yes. Was, wow. And it's, it, it, it was an investment of $200 as far as the phone. While some of the people that I was working with were invest invested probably somewhere in around six thousand dollars on this weird security consultation thing that you know we didn't use, you know, it's an example of a uh, a lot of us already know a lot of these things and we see them as high level ninja shit that the government might do or some spy agents, but we do it every day in small ways with uh, in our in our daily lives. We just don't realize how you can apply it to other aspects of bad situations if you're in them you know Um, i'll give you an example if you go on vacation so i had a boss who explained this to me um every time we went to a hotel and we traveled a lot we never stayed anywhere for more than five days and anytime we went somewhere every single person he saw upon landing at the hotel he gave a 20 dollar bill to every single person so for him that if we saw 10 people you know the bellman the guy who takes your car the lady at the front desk just he would give out a 20 dollar bill yeah. And um, he would explain to me that, hey, you, you're now paying them more than they're making an hour. If they're making $22 an hour, you just gave them $22 for three minutes worth of work. They now work for you. That's yeah. how he would explain it to me. Yeah. And so I, I realized even in my own life, if I'm going to go to a hotel for, let's say, a week and the room is $400 a night. So now you're after taxes and everything, you're at 3500 bucks, right? Yep. Bring $300 in $5 bills. And the entire time you're there, give every single person who works at the hotel a $5 bill and your stay will be completely different. Yep. 
When you get to the pool, you'll be the first one who gets a drink offer. The guy who comes to your – when you ask for one towel, two towels will come. When you walk in and you don't have a mask and they're telling everyone else to put their mask on, you don't have to put your mask on. But, but, like but, everything but, changes for you. But, but that's wrong because that's bribery. That's corruption. <laughs> why, 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 why are you advocating corruption? I am right? I am uh, – yeah, hundred. That, but do you understand that you understand how a lot of us, well, a lot of people stateside are blocked in that regard? They don't realize. Well, yes. How I'll give you, I, I give you two perfect examples of that too. Yeah. Um, there's no such thing in the United States, and I'm being pretty absolute as as homelessness. That's a mischaracterization of drug addicts. I was homeless for two years, and I lived in a car for five years. When you call someone homeless, then you're trying to address the homeless population. There's a very small percentage. When I was homeless, it was just me and one other guy of the thousand homeless people that I knew that weren't drug addicts. They were drug addicts, and that's what their fucking situation was. And so, if you dress them as homeless, you'll never fix their just situation. Yeah. Do I know what the situation is to fix drug addicts? No, I'm not claiming that. What I'm saying is, is you're blinded by the magicry and fuckery of words. And the other thing is, is I, why would I give money to a fucking charity that I haven't vetted when the kid at Starbucks just said, please, thank you to me. And he said, sir, would you like me to top your coffee off? That motherfucker gets a tip. Yeah. Because he's contributing to the society. Yeah. I'm, I'm like anyone who thinks it's like bribery, like we should be. I mean, you have a kid. We should be rewarding the people around us who help us in order to – it lifts all of society up. Uh, you know, uh, random, faceless acts of kindness. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, you know, One a day minimum. And uh, Maybe maybe it's a Catholic in me or maybe it's uh, just the, uh, the the guilt aspect. It's your mom, dude. I bet you do have a good mom. Oh, yeah. She was uh, – you know, not like these – you know, again, Latinxers would say, oh, my mom would hit me with a chancla, which is like the sandal. You know, my mm-hmm. mom, my mom kind of had a fucking car antenna, you know. So you can, <laughs> you know. Oh my god! So, so I guess she was, uh. you know, she, she was into no nonsense, and I, she was a saint. Uh, you know, I, whenever I got the car antennas, because I fucked up horribly. And was uh, your dad at home too? Yeah, yeah. But my dad's, you know, she, he was always at work, basically. You know, so it was mostly my mom. You know. Um, I just I recently went to visit my family uh, down south. Uh, different, completely different uh, dynamic, you know. Uh, you know, comparing it to some of my American, you know, pe- friends and family that I have down there, it's a uh, it's matriarchal in a lot of ways. As far as it's not not as far as who is perceived to be in charge, but who is actually in charge, right? You know, uh, it's all it's all it's all the uh, it's all based on some of the. You know, Virgin of Guadalupe or the Virgin Mary kind of veneration that they have down there, where they put more emphasis on the mother side of it instead of the father. Again, it's probably related to some of our weird cultural roots. Were um, your parents workaholics? My dad was. My dad was definitely a workaholic. My mother was. Uh, she was very. Uh, she was a, she, I, the best way I can describe her was a mixture of Steve Irwin. Uh, you know, Crocodile Dundee and, uh, I don't know, Patch Adams, you know, she was, a she was a mix. Oh, so she was flamboyant. She's a character. Oh yeah, she was. I mean, everything I do and everything I am is, you know, you like uh, the knife design I have, uh, I named it the Elvia and it's because it's her knife design. She would, uh, grind down, uh, grind down all fruit knives and to, uh, curve shape because that's what you like to peel with. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that became the best-selling knife at Blade Show. I think uh, a year back, there wasn't any available when I went there to promote it. Um, 
she was a she was a character. Um, hard life, hard life. Uh, she grew up in a place called Car- uh, a place in Tijuana called Cartonlandia. It's like basically cardboard land is what they. Oh, do. I thought it sounded like cartoon land. <laughs> Say the name of it again. Cartonlandia. Uh, uh, wow, it's a cardboard land. It was all washed out during one of the floods. Uh, she lost a she lost all of her little you know kid friends back then, and one of those floods. Um, dad left at an early age. That uh, changes she, your normal. That oh, yeah. shit changes your normal. Yeah, she grew up. Uh, she she grew up as a mother to her two younger sisters. Damn. Uh, so, and that's that that and that was my mom. You know she, that. Yep, that was it. Have you been to India, Ed? No, I have not. Dude. Dude, you gotta go. It'll trip you out. I I, I haven't been to that ring that that I the 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 notorious and infamous ring around New York around uh, Mexico City that I always hear about. Uh you're talking about uh Tepito? The, I uh, just heard. I just hear. There's a fucking ring, the world's largest fucking ring of cardboard houses on the oh. planet that you could probably see from space around uh, Mexico City. Okay, you know, yeah. five million of the ten mil- or thirty million people live in cardboard surrounding the, the outskirts of the city, and it just sounds. I mean, po- poverty is a different thing in Mexico. Like, uh, we don't have overweight uh, <laughs> overweight drug addicts with smartphones uh, <laughs> hanging out at, <laughs> hanging out at Starbucks. You know. <laughs> that, that that is that is not that is not poverty in mexico it's not a that wasn't nice ed it is it is i mean again i've myself experienced homelessness as well and, uh I, and i get to walk around la so if people want to have an argument with me i'll meet you at skid row and we can talk about it right <laughs> what do you mean uh, at skid row at the starbucks in beverly hills has 20 of those guys you just described <laughs> any any like we have a manufacturing a manufacturing place in la where we make a lot of our merch and it is mind-blowing to see you know you'll you, basically how they own the the sidewalks basically that's it's it's theirs um but you know again poverty in mexico is different uh you know people actually go starve to death and freeze to death on the outside and it's not yeah. a choice um people i was asked this by uh somebody recently like you know like why why aren't there why aren't, why isn't there a large homeless population here in tijuana and the truth is that they die out it, they be, they come in waves. Some of them are deported back into Mexico uh, from the United States. Some of them come wanting to cross, and a lot all of them get addicted uh, to some of the fentanyl hair and fentanyl heroin mixes that are now the norm in a lot of these border towns. Uh, Is it people. safe to be homeless in Tijuana? No, no, <laughs> no. no. The, uh, it, so th- people need to realize this: in most municipalities in Mexico, it is illegal or at least regulated that you should have an ID with you. And if you don't have one, that means 36 hours of imprisonment. So being homeless is a crime in Mexico, basically. Because uh, what if, what if you, you have an ID though, and you're sleeping on the sidewalk? I mean, they'll pick you up and they'll pick you up. And then for, uh, for being, uh, the, uh, what they call it, uh, vagrant. It's not vagrancy. They call it some something else in Mexico, but they'll you'll get picked up anyway. That's why you see cop uh, pickup trucks stacked with homeless people in the back sometimes, all handcuffed. It's because they're meeting an arrest quota. Oh, so they, damn! So they, so they have to arrest a set amount of people, and it's uh, you know that's and also that's why if if you're in Tijuana, notice all the homeless people never have 
shoelaces or belts on. They'd just rather put like a rope on there. Uh, it's because the first thing that gets cut from them is belts and, and shoelaces. And oh. They get arrested by the municipal police. And it's basically just a recycling thing they do. They clean up all the homeless people. They put them in prison. They hose them down. 36 hours later, they're back out. So and that's one of the things you can just look at at someone. I've heard you talk about like just looking at things. If you saw someone as a rope, as a belt, you're like, okay, this person's a frequent flyer in the jails. Yeah, this person's a frequent flyer in the jails. So he probably can't run that much. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Has a, that's a that's a great picture. That's some Wi-Fi on there. That's from L. That's uh, that's some of the you know some of the. There's a two-story house somewhere out in L.A. right now. Some someone has a on the sidewalk. A two-story homeless shelter. Homeless can't yeah. camp. Yeah, oh, that's, that's dope. That's, yeah, it's, it's, some of these guys are just you know. It you is. got you got to see India. These slums, they're clean, but they're massive and they're filthy. It's it's a it's so weird. It's it, I'm talking like a million people. And like yeah. a, a, a giant well in the center of town and fucking cows and monkeys and dogs everywhere. And then just beautiful women walking around. It's nuts. It, it is, is, is the most bizarre scene. There's some places like that in Tijuana. Uh, and, you know, I, I grew up there and yeah. every now and then I get the, 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 the word, you know, shithole uh, uh, spat at me when, when I talk about my hometown uh, there's some b- bad parts about it, but there's even in the bad parts, there's, there's light and there's color. Um, yeah. Uh, I've had some of the best meals that I've ever had in my life in some of these uh, shanty towns on the periphery of Tijuana. Uh, there was a, there was a film crew that I, that uh, the women and kids are so sorry to interrupt. The women and kids are usually great. It's the fucking drug addict men in these fucking parts of these, of the world that yeah. are just fucking it up. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is, uh, it is lack of opportunity. It is corruption at a high level in politics and all the money being fucking fund, uh, funneled somewhere else and, and is being fucking put into the margins of the communities like that. You know, um, you know, again, I had a film crew that I was working with and they were like, Ed, take us to a cool restaurant. And I was like, why the fuck would I take you to a restaurant? Um, and I went over and there were some guys, albañiles, basically construction guys uh, doing work. And I said, "Hey, whatever you're going to buy for lunch, just buy double what you what you're going to buy, and I'll give you the cash." Uh, you know, on they 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 use the lid of a fuel drum as a you know as a uh, cooking <laughs> surface, and we had and, and according to some of the guys that I was with, well, that was those were the best tacos that that, that they ever had. Yeah, and it is uh, it's a bunch of construction guys basically making everything, and uh, one of their wives coming over with the tortillas and the salsa that she made at home. Um, things mean more. They're more. Yeah. Uh, the the appreciation of, of some things like that. Basically, we've I paid for the food, and also what was left fed them for two weeks. You know, and uh, the appreciation aspect of it. Uh, going back there. Months later, uh, one of the ladies came over and gave me like a like like a, a thing she knitted, right? And I was like, "You don't need to do. I mean, you don't need to do any of that." But I just the realization, even as a Mexican, that uh, that 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 our presence there was felt that much that they felt the need to do something like that for us. That was, you know, it's an eye opening thing. Yes, some of these places are desolate. Yes, some of these places are rife with crime and 
and drug addict, drug addiction and violence. Uh, some of these places are some of the violent, most violent places on the planet right now. When, when it comes to numbers, and places like in Tijuana, we have a a whole community called La Sanchez Tawada, which is pretty close to where one of the places I grew up in. And it is like six bodies a day. Damn. Right. And you see the places like this and you know, how can people live like that? Or how can people live there is something I commonly see people talk about. And all of these people that talk about it or question it are people that have the luxury of choice. Right. Their normal is different than other people's normal. Uh, normal is a fluid concept, you know, just like gender is in the United States. You know, oh, geez. A, Don't get me started. Fluid, fluid Don't con- get me started. It's a fluid concept. You need to, as a country, you need to own it. Uh, hey, it, so when you say concept, do you mean it's not real? It's just between my ears? It's my imagination? Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. yeah I, I, I think, I think in, in essence, it is. And if people are like, Good, oh, okay, then we're on the same page. These people are poor. No, no, it's a fluid concept. You can, you know, can talk about that as well, you know? Uh, but also normal is a fluid concept, but also you know, quality. just like shorts, a fluid concept. If I went to, um, uh, what was that town? I, I would be tall. I would no longer be short. I would be tall. Absolutely. Oaxaca. Yes. Well, send me to Oaxaca and, and short becomes fluid. Yeah. Oh, that's five, five, four. You know, there you go. <laughs> I'm five, uh, five. There you go. You would be, you would be a, the, the, the giant midget basically. Of yes. <laughs> Ed, there you go. You're on my podcast. You can't Sorry. call me a giant midget. That's, that's, that's what, that's what they call themselves out there. It's all fluid. It's all fluid. Um, Ed, I, I was really into macro photography for several years. That's when you like take pictures of bugs on plants because you have yeah. no real talent. So you just take pictures of small shit. And great i like that a lot and it was it's so fun and and there's something so zen and peaceful about it but i could walk up to a bush and i would look at the bush and there would be no bugs in it and i would take some deep breaths and i would take some deep breaths i'd fidget with my camera and i would start seeing things that don't fit patterns that are fucking out of whack yeah and i'd be like ah i see you and all of a sudden There'd be three bugs and then 10 bugs and you couldn't even fucking believe it's a bush full of fucking, it's a planet with just shit going on. But when you walked up in the first three minutes, you don't see shit. And I know three minutes doesn't seem like a long time, but it is a long time. Most people don't breathe and ever just sit down and look at a flower or a bush for three minutes. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, shit, here we are. And I take off my bag and it's time to start documenting the 20 bugs in there. But only because I start seeing patterns that are out of whack is your job. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. That, that yeah. this whole pattern thing, like, okay, this is a safe space. Wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I have this, this drill I do with people or, uh, you know, we have, I, I tell people to always scan, you know, midsection, basically uh, threat direction, threat direction and intention. So midsection, basically look at somebody's waistline and hands first. Why? Because that's what's going to kill you. I can't, I can't spit poison at you like a weird lizard from Jurassic Park. So that's not going to be it. Uh, why, why waste? What's at your waist? Most people conceal weapons at their waistline. Okay. And also most people move around with their hands at their waistline. If, okay. you, can't, if you can't see one of their hands, then it means that there's a, that should start putting perceived threats into your, into your hands, into your head and mind. Problem is a lot of us are very social beings and have never experienced violence. So the first thing we see in somebody is their face. Hmm. I can smile at you and shoot you in the face uh, from my hip. 
then you will never see it if you only concentrate on somebody's face, you know, right. Somebody who would prefer oh, professional people will do this. Uh, people that are going to, you know, you know, uh, rob you uh, on the street will usually have a, you know, hey, what's going on? Give me the money right now. And it's to keep people's attention down and keep the threat level down as far as their face. So again, intention, threats, and direction, finally on the feet. And where, the, where are their feet pointing? Are they pointing away from me? Are they pointing towards me? If they're pointing towards me, it means that they're approaching. Um, so you start piecing things together. Um, I like telling people, I like telling people that, you know, this is a skill set you have to work on every day. You know, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, there's no trick. To, there's no trick to getting good at it. Just like any magic trick. It's all about repetition and mastery, right? Yeah. Um, observation wise, you, 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 you learn, you learn some of that. And I, you know, tracking, you know, when I got to learn tracking skills from some pretty fucking amazing people. And one of the first things they had me do was take off my shoes. You take off your shoes and why do you take off your shoes? So you slow down and you're more aware where you're stepping. Mm-hmm. Right. So slowing down is a big aspect of it. Um, and another aspect of it is educating uh, your baseline. You go anywhere, you know, I can go to, you know, I went to Portland and the baseline there when the riots were going on is everybody was wearing black, you know, Mm -hmm. even the, even the state police were all in black, which was pretty funny that they were all color coordinated. Right. (laughs) Uh, So I perceive that I should be wearing black probably as a, as a way to kind of be in that environment. Uh, And I realized quickly that most of the kids there were not even from there. And it became apparent because whenever the riot police would start firing tear gas, they would disperse into places that didn't make any sense. Mm. Like so where? Like, what do you mean? They dispersed into a soccer field that okay. was closed in. And the locals there were few and far between. I could see them disperse into places that made sense. Right. But, you know, being somebody that's from Mexico, riot, riot gas and tear gases, like, I, 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 you know, I use it as cologne, right? So I, I was, I was, <laughs> oh I, shit! It's I, it's it's a reg, it's more common there, like significantly. It's, it's very it's very common. Also, we use a strong stuff. They were using two percent uh, CS gas on these protesters. It was all for show. I, I saw Ooh. the cans and I was like, "Oh, that's <clears throat> that's fine. You know, it's okay. You know, kick that to the side a bit." But Damn! You, but you would see people run to to places that didn't make any sense. That's what you know. Then I realized, oh, all these people were bust in to this riot you know riot all these people were bust into this riot and the most of the people that are local are the ones that dispersed to places that made sense mm-hmm. small observations like that you have to do by slowing down mm-hmm. or standing still just like you were standing in, t- in front of this uh, bush that turned to be turned out to be a whole ecosystem of insects yep. um all of us are you know another aspect of you know the things that i show people <laughs> is that you know we have our eyes to the front which is most predators have the eye to the front. So we're predators by nature. So the whole aspect of showing somebody anything nefarious, you know, like, Ed, that's nefarious. That's ambushing somebody. That's uh, that's very scary what you're showing. We were, we were ambush predators, you know, that's, that's, that's why there's no more mammoths, you know, apparently mm-hmm. uh, because we're very good at that. All of us. And it is an aspect of our nature that has been neutered from us in a lot of ways by, you know, violence doesn't solve anything. It does a lot. Um, 
You know? How about those fucking English soldiers or whoever they were who would just line up on opposite sides of the field and then they'd say go and just cross and shoot each other? What the <laughs> fuck was that? Was that the stupidest period of warfare in the history of mankind? Uh, maybe, you know, uh, there's a there's a Mexican example of that. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard a historian uh, that once the Spanish got done invading all of Mexico, they took some of the Tlaxcaltecan warriors, some of my ancestors uh, on a boat. And said, well, the Philippines is next. And you fuckers were pretty good here, so let's go, you know? <laughs> so at some point in history, a bunch of Tlaxca Mexican Tlaxcaltecan warriors fought Japanese pirate and samurais on the ocean with the Spanish. Wow. And, <laughs> and they were effective because they didn't follow, uh, you know, conventional warfare. They would fucking climb over uh, uh, lines of soldiers to fucking just whip out their, uh, you know, clubs and or whatever they would have projectile weapons and, you know, fuck over the other side. <laughs> uh, yeah, I combat think. with rules is really weird. Do do um yeah. do, do bad guys have an advantage because they don't have rules as opposed to um the the good guys? I mean, uh, you know, I, I I could say that the, the a video of the Taliban dancing with uh, night vision and and M4s after you guys left Afghanistan are proof of this, you know, they'd say, you know, you have, you have the watches, but we have the time. Mm -hmm. uh, uh. The, the, what they are willing to sacrifice as far as a nation and what they're fighting for is way different than the United States was uh, doing there. You know, Vietnam is another example. Uh, fourth generational warfare is basically small non-state actors fighting for, for control of their local, uh, communities or populations that is what mexico is taking the world to school in right now you know as far as what that's that's why i'm hired to advise on a lot of things it is uh it is not that they have the advantage it is that the government side of it the conventional side of it even even the unconventional special forces side of it are slow to change they're slow to move from a counter-terrorist, global terrorist fighting force to now fighting, you know, what what threats are perceived now? You know, what's the perceived threat right now? Are you, uh, are, is the U.S. fighting global terrorism now? Or is it on the defensive with uh, a, a big Chinese uh, state actor uh, pumping in fentanyl into, into Mexico and sponsoring a specific cartel? While it while it uh, generationally pumps in a lot of uh, poisons into your country, while it brainwashes kids with TikTok re or yeah. rewards them with <laughs> shit on TikTok, and you can't say anything bad about them, or Disney won't show your you know Netflix series or your your, uh, your reality show or whatever, which is mind blowing to me. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, you can't say anything bad about that. I've been you know in the you know people that ask me like, aren't you worried about their cartels? I've I've had closed doors closed on me because of some of the stuff that I've some of the things that I've uh, reported on and said about China and its interference in Mexico and the United States. You know that that wow. and it, this is this is this is America. You know this is this is the United States that I have come into. You know it's a uh, trip. Yeah, if you try following me on Instagram for the last year, they'll give you a big warning. Do not follow this man. He's full of misinformation and shadow um, shadow banned. You know. Yeah. Why don't they just kick me off? It's so weird. Well, uh, uh, all my idols are shadow banned. 
my enemies are revealed is a quote that anonymously yes. posted up somewhere online. I think. Yes, yes, yes. I 100% all, believe that. All my idols are shadow banned. My <laughs> enemies are revealed. I think that alone says a lot about our modern, you know, what's going on right now. And specifically, I get a lot of people, Ed, you should go to this other app or should go to this one conservative app over here. It's like you're missing the point. Yes, I agree. You know, if you're here listening and you still find me throughout, even through the shadow band, you are the resistance, whoever you are. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, I have graffiti artists that follow me because they like some of my background and the ways that I, I learned how to break into places when I was uh, skateboarding cartel uh, houses, uh, as far as the pools that they had. They would chain them up after they would get uh, raided when I was a kid, break in there, fucking skateboard on that fucking pool. You know? Are you. That, are that, you that, doing that. any mu- music these days? Any painting? Any writing? Any? Or what? What are you doing that's creative these days? Uh, there's a every now and then I post these things called fever dreams. They're all part of a journal that I keep, a therapy journal. I've been going through, <laughs> I've been going through a series of you know therapy uh, related issues for five years. I mean, all along my immigrant uh, immigration uh, process, I've been just going through. You know, I learned the word P- PTSD or the, the the concept of PTSD, uh, uh, af- you know, after coming to the United States, you know, stuff like that. You uh, didn't have the luxury of having PTSD in Mexico. You're already getting soft, Ed. It's it's it's, it's not even the luxury. It's uh, it's we didn't have the word, the the right. language, the language for it. There was naming is the origin of all particular things. Yeah, I mean, if we if you have the language for it, it's that's a start. You know. Um, I've been sober alcohol. I've been, you know, alcohol free for about a year and a, a year and two months now. Oh, uh, wow. Congrats. You, know, and you have nice skin. You have nice skin. I wonder if that's why. Did you always have nice skin? No, it's a, it's a, it's a swimming in the ocean and, and running around in some fucking mind blowing beaches in Colima that are cartel okay. controlled for the past few days. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off a year and a half without alcohol. Yeah. And and a lot of these things, I uh, the big uh, I think the big draw of my Instagram account is the openness that I have had, as far as uh, not only talking about some of the things that are interesting that I'm currently doing and moving around there and sharing news from Mexico that is completely unbiased and direct from the source on the ground stuff, um, to sharing a few memes that make light of uh, being Mexican, you know, and then kind of laughing a little bit about ourselves and not doing so in any, like, I'm not offended about any of the Mexican meme stuff and stuff like that uh, to showcasing some of the stuff that I carry in my pockets. You know, there's a right now, if you can, if that where the blue pillar is, if you can click on the, you know, below that, yeah. that one, uh, you know, to sharing moments of my life like this one, um, I went down and visited uh, some family and uh, they're all Guadalupanos and I've been reconnecting with some of that spiritual side. I've never kneeled in front of anybody in my life except my aunt who uh, give, gives me that uh, blessing, you know? And, oh, that's such a great shot of you hugging her. Uh, <laughs> the, the, whole, the whole aspect of uh, healing and going through the processes that I'm going through in the open and having that uh, aspect of, hey, dude, it's all right to not uh, wake up at four in the morning and do kettlebell uh, exercises and have your hands bleeding. <laughs> it's all right that not all of us can be these elite warriors that, uh, that, uh, that are about uh, just being extreme and just not feeling pain. You know, 
I am a cautionary tale. I, I'm a, I'm a, I've been broken. My world's ended a few times. Uh, and I write about some of these things through uh, the fever dreams. Uh, what do you mean your world's been broken a few times? Like really, like you thought you were going to die or you were depressed and tried to commit suicide? Or what do you mean you've been broken? I mean, uh, if you know, imagine, imagine being in a country where you like, imagine being like where you are right now. Yeah. If I told you in two years or in a year, you're not going to be where you are. You're going to be in a completely different country starting from zero. Ah, uh, I'd freak out the fuck out with the money you have in your pocket. You're, you're oh no. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Fucked. Which is exactly what happened to me. I don't even have shoes on Ed. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Don't do that to me. A little barefoot. It's fine. Uh, so, so a rebirth, basically just, it's a complete fucking ego check. Uh, 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 I think uh, it's important to. Were you homeless? Uh, yeah. For a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, wow. impo it's important. It's important to, uh, to realize that uh, you have to concentrate on new beginnings and always keep in mind that there is always an end. Right. Um, mm. It's something that I was shown at uh, my first, my first command position that I ever had when I was working, I had a, uh, I was a regional sub commander and uh, they had a, like a 80 something agents underneath my care. And I was like, why the, like, why the fuck me? Right. Yeah. Um, uh, somebody and uh, a very amazing uh, mentor of mine, uh, a man by the name of uh, Lizaola, as uh, a lieutenant colonel from the army. He said, "Well, this is your job now." And he gave me a silver coin. All right, and I was like, grabbed it and said, "Put it in your pocket." And and said, "Always carry it with you." And he told me, "I'm going to give you another one when your job's over. When this job is over, I'll give you the other one." It's up to you if I give it to you and you put it in your pocket or if I put it over your eyes. Oh, mm. shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, he, he said it's up to you. Wow. And he explained to me every job you start, every process you start in life, everything in life has an ending to it. It is it is important to concentrate and realize that this job will end. It's up to you. It's up to you to realize how that's going to happen. And it, that uh, that was life changing, you know. Uh, every time I go somewhere, every time I start a new project, every time I figure something out, every time I you know log on to Instagram, I'd realize that one day that's going to be gone. <laughs> yeah, that day, yeah. That one day it's going to be over, and I'm on to the next thing. Um, I was a I was a kid playing in a punk band and skateboarding uh, in uh, in one month, and then the next month I was being shaven. Uh, my head was being shaven bald by a bunch of uh, uh, ex-Special Forces guys in a refurbished prison and being trained to be a paramilitary agent, right? <laughs> and then I said, I'm never going to do anything else in my life. This is, this is what I am. I'm a, this, is, this is where I need to be. And all of a sudden, that is completely over and gone. And I am left uh, without anything. So what's next? And I've been going through a few of those in my life. Ed, are we going to have you for a few more minutes? Do you have to go? I, I, got, I got about like 15 minutes more. Okay. I'm, I need 30 seconds to go pee in the bushes. Sure. Thank go you. Ahead. <laughs> hey, Ed, I got a quick question about uh, your Instagram. Are, do you post everything on there yourself? No, no. no. Okay. Uh, I, 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 have, I, have a, I have some people that help me out with uh, not only maintaining it, but uh, also uh, posting things for me that I forget to post. Uh, <laughs> But a lot of it is very personal. It is, mm -hmm. uh, it is very much a ride along with me. 
it is very much a uh, kind of a, a look at some of the stuff that I'm doing as a, you know, basically ride along. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're, we, we've been, we've been starting to expand onto Patreon. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been shadow banned for months now. It's hard to find me on Instagram. So yeah, I've been, uh, I've been trying to, to, to uh, fix that by having uh, a, a place where people that are really, that really like want to support and follow us and to share some of the, uh, some of the aspects that are, have been kind of difficult to share openly on, on, on Instagram. So yeah. Being exposed to everything you have been in, in the heightened sense of awareness of your environment. Is it tough for you to ever just, um, turn that off or tone it down a little bit. Like if you're just going out to dinner and you're in your, in a safe environment or you're, you know, you're here in the United States and there's relatively no threat. Is it, is it hard to tone that down or are you always just kind of scanning looking? Is that just a part of you now? Uh, you know, I, I always talk about uh, the biggest lie that was ever told to me is that I was going to get better or heal. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest lie that it was ever told to me. And it's not true. Uh, if you go through some of the things that I've gone through and I'm not unique, you know, and I've met people that have gone through things way, way worse in my metric than myself. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's not a measuring competition. Mm-hmm. Broken is broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, change is change. And despite the fact that a lot of us want to go back to whatever we perceived as normal, you know, that, that, that place is gone. Uh, yeah. It doesn't exist. It is a fantasy that gets sold to us. Um, it is about learning how to live with things. It is about learning how to weaponize some of the failures in your past and sharpen them and use them as a weapon. You know. Um, oh, it's the Kyle Creek thing again. Yeah. Do you hear? Do you hear? What he's, you, the, comedians are the exact same way. Writers are the same way. Take all the shit that's happened to you in your life, and once you're able to process it and settle it down, creativity and new shit will go from it. The worst shit that happens to you in your life when it finally settles down and is rotting shit inside of you, if you're creative, if you're able to turn it into that, you'll see seedlings come out of it, right? Yeah. Like out of the dead carcasses. Yeah. yeah, horrible experiences are the exact same way. Yeah, when we- yes. But we, I, I keep a, an altar. You assimilate them, right? Is that what you mean? You don't heal from them. You assimilate them into your character. You you accept them. If somebody throws an arrow at you, yeah, a, a, a symbolic arrow, and it lands on your back, uh, you rip it out and you use it to stab the motherfucker in front of you. That if 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 he's a threat, you know. Yeah. But the the thing is that a lot of us take that arrow out and throw it away and forget about the arrow. And, or sit uh, there and complain about it and sit and sit there and complain about it. Or, or we get fed this lie that you're going to get better. You're going to get, you know, you're going to go back to normal. You're going to go back to, you're going to go back home. You know, uh, veterans get this lie as well. You know, you, you go to war, <laughs> you go to war, you know, everything matters. Everything is life and death. You get millions of dollars worth of equipment on, uh, as your responsibility. Your focus is clear. Your purpose is clear. Enemy over there friends over here keep friends safe keep this line hold the line all of a sudden all that shit's gone yeah you get off the bus as we call it you know and who are you now you know are you gonna go yeah. back to normal what is normal what is normal you know? yeah basically the, the the thing i'm talking about is uh realizing that you're not a fixed point and normality isn't a fixed point it is a it is a constant thing that is moving in front of you you know a friend of mine told me we are walking backwards into the future and we all, all we have is if the smiles of our ancestors 
to guide us through. Say that again. We're walking backwards. We're walking backwards into backwards into the future. And all we have is the smiles and the faces of our ancestors to guide us through. Um, and it's not just our ancestors. It's also people like me, people like other of my friends and, 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 and colleagues that have gone through shit. And we are looking at you saying, don't be an idiot. You know, uh, don't do this. Don't do that. Uh, this is dangerous. Uh, we are cautionary tales. Uh, there's a big, there, there's a big poison in emulation when it comes to personalities out there. Uh, and, 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 and it takes a lot to, of somebody like me to basically be public about my sobriety, my immigration process, which a lot of people are very touchy. They don't want to talk about it because it's something that you kind of feel ashamed of or feel private about. If it's not me talking about it, if it's, if it's not my voice talking about it, who I, I don't see somebody like myself out there. That's no, me that, neither. That, that's why I speak about it, you know. But they're out there. So they just important. know, just know, they're just diff, they're 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 and, and you're and you're just blazing the way, man. You're uh, fucking so awesome. How yeah. are you handling all of this attention? How are you, how, how how does a how does a, a a humble boy who's just trying to fucking survive day to day, being raised in Tijuana, manage now the internet? <laughs> oh my uh, god, Sevan, you have Ed Calderon on El, Ed Calderon. Holy Calderon. shit. I mean, it's Ed Calderon. Uh how, how are like how are you handling that? I mean, when I told people I was having you on, they're like, holy fuck, you've made it. You've arrived, Sevan, with your podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 selfish about it as far as using it for what I think it should be used for. Uh we just paid for an eye operation for one of my you know, he was a good friend of mine that I used to work with, but left. he's left a kid behind after he was killed. Uh, government doesn't support families that are un, uh, doesn't support the sons or siblings of people that are unmarried because of weird policies down there. So I just paid for an eye operation for somebody like that. I got equipment for a whole group of people that are completely ill-equipped and under-equipped in Mexico. Uh, we're working on some donations, uh, for a, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the recon sniper foundation. You know, I just raised, uh, $4,000 for the Ryan Terry foundation for the border, uh, uh, the former border patrol agent that was killed by some of those guns from fast and the furious, which some of my mm -hmm. friends were also killed by them. But again, who would I be if I would just focus on I'm Mexican and fuck everything on the U S side. Or I'm on the U.S. side, so fuck everything on the Mexican side. I have to be, I have to, I have to find a way to basically bridge a gap as far as what's going on between both sides. Everybody wants everything to be either one side or the other right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm guilty of that sometimes for sure. And my experience is, you know, <laughs> there are no sides. You know, right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Um, are, are are you religious, man? Do you believe in God? Uh, I, I was raised Catholic, uh, by heart, basically I'm a devotee of La Virgen de Guadalupe. And I was exposed to the, the cult of Santa Muerte, which is a, uh, very misunderstood and, and, and very much culturally appropriated, uh, faith in the United States. That, that, that's, that's the basis of my faith, I would say. Um, what? Is there a moment in your life when you have experienced um, something um, so unknown? Or, or maybe a, some people would call it a moment of eternity. Maybe you experienced it in danger. Maybe you experienced it in skateboarding. Maybe. Um, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been close to, you know, not being here. Uh, yeah. I, I'd say, you know, most people will think I'm going to talk about some weird cartel story or getting shot at and or being beaten half to death with all of these things happened to me. Uh, when I was coming off drinking last year, uh, there was a moment that I felt uh, my chest cave in, you know, uh, alcohol is one of those drugs that will kill you if you leave it, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the only ones that will do such a thing. Um, meaning if you meaning if you stop cold turkey and you've been on it for so long, you could have a, a you could die. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. That's the yeah. second time I've heard that in 300 shows I've done. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, go, going through that whole process, uh, I felt very ashamed of it in a lot of ways. So I locked myself in and I kind of went out went uh through it solo uh with nothing but an altar of the virgin mary in a corner and a and a mattress in the other somewhere kind of hit like shut myself in uh i had people that would check in on me but it was mostly a kind of a it was a process that i had to go through it was a hell of a process to go through uh at some point during the night i felt my chest my chest kind of cave in and, uh, you know, very close to calling 911. Uh, uh, passed out. I woke, woke up in the bathroom, uh, vomiting. And uh, very close to just, you know, quitting. And uh, out of the blue, I got this long letter. Uh, Every now and then I get them through email and, and uh, there's a, a lady that helps me out sorting some of these emails out. And I always tell them if, if there's anything personal, of uh, personal nature, just send it my way. And I, I'm usually, I usually try and respond. Um, kid, uh, kid who has, you know, uh, a lot of issues in his past, uh, who went to one of my classes and he just got, uh, you know, his, his, his first job and he's working for a law enforcement agency somewhere out there in the United States, somewhere out there in the U.S. Uh, sent me a picture of him graduating and also a picture of, uh, of the extra of, uh, of, uh, of his kid, unborn kid. Oh, right. yeah. The ultrasound. That's dope. And, uh, and the, uh, the the whole you know thank you for inspiring him to go that route three years ago when he when we interacted, and at the end of it he said, and this is from my mom, oh, and it was a it was a rosary uh, that uh, is exactly like the rosary my mom gave me when I graduated. Wow! So in that moment, I kind of saw the uh, the sign. You know, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think God comes out from the sky and slaps you in the back of the head. <laughs> Damn close. That was the close though. And yeah. I think, I, I think it's, I think it's through the bending of probability and alignment that we see the divine. Mm. I think, I think Say that again, through the bending of probability and alignment. I think, it, I think it's through the bending of probability and alignment that we, that we, that we experience the divine. Um, and I think at that moment I, I, I was pulled out of something. Wow. Uh, how long were you in that room? How long was the, the detox, so to speak? That was a month of a bit over a month. Wow. Shit. 
Wow. And no, no. Did you have comms with the outside world? Did you have yeah. a phone? In? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, uh, but just leave me alone for a month. I'm going to quit drinking. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Not, not again, not smart. Don't do that. It's horrible. <laughs> I, I think everyone should fucking lock themselves in a room. My, my greatest moment is I locked myself in a room for five days once. And, and what I fucking witnessed was, uh, life altering. Uh, uh, isolation is a gift. Uh, yeah. Isolation wow. is a gift, uh, and, I, and again, if you fear it, if you fear being alone, I think it's mostly you fear that conversation that you're going to have with yourself. That is what you're fearing, not being alone. Uh, when things get quiet, when there's nobody around, when there's no distraction, when your fucking bullshit humor, uh, self-defense mechanism that you developed over years of being... I have a fantastic uh, one. You know, most of the people that have been through shit have an ex- excellent... <laughs> but, but once there's nobody there to make laugh or entertain, you're fucked. You need to talk to yourself. Mm. Uh, you know, there's nothing outside of yourself. Look within Musa- Miyamoto Musashi used to say. Um, it is a process. It is a process. I think a lot of us th- that won't go through these uh, insane life experiences don't get that, you know, uh, because it's scary. And, you know, facing the void and blinking, you know, some people die, you know, in that experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If if anything that I think that that specific experience for me was uh, was pretty close to the uh, the divine. And I I had I had some um, a pretty intense experience a solo experience and then I and I want and I then for a couple of months I was trying to like process like what happened you know when something like that happens you're trying to process it yeah. and I figured okay. I, and I was basically losing my mind. I couldn't find any help. I couldn't find any books. I was struggling to process this experience. So I decided I was like, okay, I'm going to jump in my truck and I'm going to drive to Moab and I'm just going to camp in my truck alone for a week and just like fucking decompress and, and get to the quietest place I know on the planet. But I decided before I leave, I need to take my car stereo out because I don't want to listen to any radio or any music on the way. So that night I went to bed and then in the middle of the night, I got up like at three in the morning to check my truck for something. And I stumbled upon some robbers and they had pulled my stereo out and had my speakers out and then ran off. So I yeah. had my stereo, my speakers there, but shit, the shit was taken out for me. <laughs> I didn't have to do it. Put the shit in a box, sold it, bought some, got some extra gas money for my trip and hit the road. And I was like, holy shit. Wow. And, and it reminds me of what you were saying about the bending of probability and uh, um, uh, alignment. alignment. I was like, thank you. Yeah, nice. I mean, nice. Thanks for taking that shit out for me. <laughs> and 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 I and they ran off before they could take it. I mean, I was just like, "Holy shit, this is crazy." It, it's 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 a uh, acceptance. You know, it's another aspect of healing uh, and another aspect of going through some of these things. Uh, you know, there's horrible shit happens to people. Tragedy is part of life. Horrible things. But Ed, if you believe in God, well, like, why why are all these orphans dying of hunger over here? What what's this happening over there? Um, it is part of life. That is part of the whole experience, part of the whole ride. There's a lot of things that happen. Now, are you going to do anything about it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it, is that your place? Uh, I've, I, I've been a lot of ways. I think that is all I have right now doing something about some of the things that I've, I've, I've gone through and some of the things that I witnessed and some of the things that I wish were better. Uh, that's been a big aspect of my current existence. Uh, when you, how old are you? I'm I'm 39. Oh uh, shit! 
You're still young. Will you get gray hair? Do dudes of your uh, ethnic yeah. descent get oh, gray yeah. hair? You do get gray yeah. hair. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're gonna. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get all the uh, Pico Nevado. You know, like a snowy uh-huh. hilltop later on in life, <laughs> probably. Uh, um. What, what, before I let you go, what do you ha- what are you doing next? What what I, I want to have you on again, like in six months. What can I like? You, what can I be like? Oh, Ed, you said you were coming out with a book or a movie. Please come back on my show. What can I lure you back here with? Give me the um. What do you got coming up? Uh, we're working on two books right now. Uh, one of them is a collection of the Fever Dreams, which is basically my process of sobriety. Uh, the trauma of going from, you know, uh, being a kid that is uh, singing on stage in a weird backyard somewhere in his, with his punk rock band and then burying four of their uh, four of his friends that were just uh, recently killed somewhere in a dystopian landscape uh, somewhere in Tijuana as a police agent. Um, that's one that's one of the things that we're working on. And another one, which is very important, near to dear, near and dear to my heart, is a uh, devotional manual of a sort that that I'm working on, specifically talking about some of the elements of spirituality that I've been reconnecting with, that I grew up with, and that I've held uh, during some of the worst times of my life. Um, specifically talking about uh, my experiences growing up as a Guadalupano and then being in truth to Santa Muerte by some of the people that I, that I work with and some of the people that I got to work against, you know, what's a wallet, wallet de baño. What, what did you say? <laughs> uh, I heard you say growing up as a uh, wallet uh, de baño. Guadalupano. Guadalupano. Yeah. Which is basically a devotee of the Virgin of Guadalupe. Okay. Or the, uh, or the uh, <laughs> I wasn't even close. Not even close on that one. <laughs> Uh, and of course, uh, and, and of course our Patreon, uh, we just set up a Patreon. I'm shadow band is all hell. Um, <laughs> on Instagram on, I'm, I'm shadow band on Instagram. Uh, so there's no way to find me unless you type in the whole Ed's manifesto underscore thing. Yeah. You know, what's crazy uh, though. You're in my feed pretty strong right now. I mean, I know people uh, say that to me all the time too. Like, but, but I, I try, I try, to, pay, I try and do pay promotion and I do a lot of I do a lot of uh, reels, which basically puts some of my content out there because they're in competition with TikTok. So they're desperate, I guess. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I keep getting news related things uh, taken down because they violate community standards and they're news related <laughs> things, which uh, it's, it's been, it's getting to a place where, uh, and people have to realize we have, I have no sponsors. Like I, like I'm not, I'm not like any of these other tactical community guys that have like, I'm sponsored by Colt. I'm sponsored by I have Smith and no, Wesson. Yeah, I have no sponsors at all, and it's not because we haven't tried. It's just that I I probably piss off a lot of people with all the things <laughs> I say. Maybe I don't know, um, but we just have no sponsors. So one thing we've been trying to do is, uh, if you like the feed, if you like what I put out, if you like what we're doing, uh, we started a Patreon. I'm sharing some more aspects of some of the stuff that I do there, some segments of some of the classes that I do there. And also just, you know, basically begging people for, you know, the means to say sustain this weird ass trip that I'm on. Um, so if you can, please uh, support us through Patreon. What, what is the Patreon account, uh, Ed Manifesto? Yeah. It, uh, there's a link on my Instagram account or on our website, uh, www.edsmanifesto.com. Um, I know this is easier said than done, but wh- why not um, uh, pen out a, um, a, uh, a revenge Hollywood movie? Like uh, bad bad guys do something, good guys come in, 
they Uh-oh. fuck them up and win and and, and well, you put stamp your name on it and we all go see it and you have some money all i'm gonna say is that i can't talk about it yes <laughs> <laughs> yes ed what a pleasure um seven pages of fucking notes here i didn't even have to touch them once you're a fucking podcaster's dream wet dream uh you are a gentleman amongst uh amongst all gentlemen how great having you on your integrity is refreshing uh thanks for being you ma'am uh, thank you for having me on i enjoy these conversations uh and specifically i just enjoy being able to to, to you know support people that support me so uh you know Thank you for investing in me, and I hope uh, my investment in you guys is uh, was worth it. Dude, totally. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you.